0: Thanks for joining us on this PAX Unplugged episode of Multiple Nergasm. I am Jenna, and I am joined by Matt and James. Hey, guys. Hello.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: So let's talk about PAX Unplugged. All right. It was in Philadelphia this year, and this was this year. This was the first PAX Unplugged, the Mm -hmm. inaugural event. Did you have a good time? Yes.
1: Uh, Yeah, it was was freaking awesome. Wait, am I allowed to... can I swear on the podcast? Is that yeah, cool? Yeah, you can say
0: whatever you want. Oh you can, yeah, it was fucking
1: awesome. You can say awesome. whatever the fuck you iTunes, want. not
0: put an explicit tag on this. I wasn't, I wasn't
1: you know, I, I wasn't sure how like PC this shit was. Um, yeah, no. So we've done <laughs> we've done Paxis for well, I've done Paxis for longer than you guys have been in America. But <laughs> PAX unplugged
2: was so much better. Yeah,
0: in a tabletop sense. But uh, there were no video games at PAX Unplugged. Yeah,
2: I know it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very different tone to uh, the normal PAX. Like it just kind of slowed down a bit more, chilled. Did you find? Oh, definitely. So much more
1: relaxed. Um, the you yeah. know talking with the designers, the developers, which we got to talk to a lot of them. They really mm-hmm. wanted to engage you in conversation. Whereas at PAX East, they seem to just want to pump you into the booth, play the game and kick you out type of deal. Yeah, totally. Well,
0: PAX East, there isn't really much opportunity, I guess, if you don't get there first uh, to play any board games, because there are so many people there and the area, it's huge, but it's not big enough for the demand. Yeah. So we did find, especially last year, that we weren't even able to find an empty seat or just to wait in line to uh, rent a board game because the line was so long.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and at PAX East, if you're looking to try any of the video games, you know you're standing in line for an hour and a half, two hours long for a ten minute preview of something. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that just at PAX Unplugged, that wasn't the case. Uh, quite a few of the booths were actually running signups where you get to play with designers, developers of the games, uh, which is amazing. You know, you got to sit down at a table with four people and the person who created the game you're playing.
0: I believe they do that at uh, most of the PAX's but um, there are limited spots. So when the attendance is double what it was at PAX Unplugged, odds are you're not going to be one of the yeah. first five people to to make it there.
2: I didn't even think of this. But yeah, like if I, if this was PAX East and I was wanting to play, you know, some new game, I'd be waiting in line for, you know, could be hours. Whereas at this, we went, oh, that game looks interesting. Oh, someone's playing it. We'll come back in 10 minutes. And then we'd come back in 10 minutes and play it.
0: Right. We never waited in line.
2: Yeah. So much, so much more accessible.
1: Yeah, not <laughs> only do we not wait in line. But there were times where we'd show up to play one game and the designer
2: would be like, hey, let's play these two other games while you're here. And we just
0: pump right. out a
1: couple of games really quick. And-
0: yeah, that's right.
2: Well, we uh, we did get the chance to speak to one of the founders of Penny Arcade uh, and I guess the original champion of this kind of convention. He wanted to make it board games only, I think, a while ago.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I'm talking about Jerry Holkins from Penny Arcade. And I have a little interview with him that I would like to play. Listeners, do you want to hear that?
0: Yeah, all right. <laughs> there we go. Is that, is
3: that,
2: that was that, yeah. Or is it, are we.
0: No, no. <laughs> no, they, I think they want to hear Yeah, they
2: want to hear it. They yeah, it.
1: They they hear it. Want, yeah. So it's.
2: Anyway. We are here with Jerry Hawkins, the mastermind behind <laughs> PAX Unplugged. This is kind of your thing, right?
4: Well, now I can tell already you've kind of, now that this, this uh, podcast has begun, you sort of turned up your Australian accent a little bit. <laughs> You're, well, you're putting shrimp on Barbies. Yeah, we we gotta play to the audience. <laughs>
2: so if I if my act I lose my accent, I lose my
4: audience. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're synonymous. But anyway, I'm sorry. You were asking me a question. I was. <laughs>
2: uh, what is what makes this Pax unique compared to, say, the other Paxes or other conventions?
4: Well, the main I, I would think that the main focus is more or less in the name. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some digital stuff here mm-hmm. but it's it's pretty rare yeah. and it's always in the service of tabletop games
2: yeah i was gonna ask them to leave yeah like, you don't belong here sir but- no no exactly
4: <laughs> sir sir yeah. but there's i mean for example there's a very interesting uh there's a very interesting concept called weave did you guys see weave i heard about weave yeah so weave is a, weave is an example of technology in the service of um in the service of traditional narrative role playing gameplay right. you should definitely take a look at it right. but, I mean, but that's an example of the sort of stuff that's okay in my mind yeah cool um, and, you know uh, what I mean like they sh- it should be video game or like like where technology encroaches on this space right it should be a novelty
2: we were talking about to the to the sirenscape guys uh have you seen that before it's, no no I've never it's heard like it.
4: interactive music for like, while you're playing? Oh, no, I, I, there's a couple different places that are endeavoring to explore that space. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, no, the main thing is that is that, you know, we just recognized from the other shows that we've done, mm-hmm. you know, particularly East. Have you guys been over yeah. for East? Yeah, yeah, so that yeah. Was
0: what, that's the last PAX that we went to this year. Oh, okay, and, um, you, okay, perfect. We couldn't even get to the tabletop area because it was so packed.
4: Oh, yeah, exactly. Just,
0: that, I think, is the fun of PAX, to see the, like, looking for group. And then just be able to jump in yeah. and meet people. Like and we
2: wanted to learn how to play Secret Hitler because we we
4: bought it and yeah.
0: then oh. haven't had a large enough group. No, you need we honestly. Did, so we learned last yeah. night. Exactly. found right. a bunch of
2: people playing it. It's amazing. No,
4: I see, and that's one of the new initiatives that we actually have at the show. If you head out that main corridor,
3: yeah,
4: um, out to sort of where that big sort of marble cathedral thing is mm-hmm. out there, mm. um, if you look on your left, you'll see the learn and play room. Where basically oh, yeah. all day you basically can get in, you sign up, mm. and then so it's 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 limited necessarily because it's basically a class. Yeah,
3: right.
4: we teach you how to play a couple games in the space of that panel. Yep, and then now you know those games. You can grab a copy, grab a copy from the library. Yeah, um, and now that can be something that you're experiencing or even teaching other people here. Mm. I think that's the main thing about I feel like this show.
2: The pace here is different too. Like at, at, at like PAX East. I always feel like i gotta, I got to see all of this stuff, there's so much stuff, and right. and, and if I want to commit to like a two-hour role-playing game, exactly. then it's like, oh, I don't know if I can do that whereas here...
4: Well, it's a purpose, right? right? I mean, functionally speaking, what it grants is license mm. to do what it sounds like you want to do anyway, right. but you get into that PAX scenario. Yeah. It might be a little bit different this year because PAX East is four days.
5: Yes. Right? Yeah. Right? yeah.
4: So, but it, basically what it does, it's like, well, that's what this show is for, it's okay if i spend my time doing that here because that's what it's for yeah right cool.
3: Cool. Uh, thanks awesome. for
2: talking to us oh
4: it's my pleasure yeah thanks for and putting thanks on for such a great show. show oh no Penny no arcade. i'm glad you're enjoying yourselves
0: <laughs> all right awesome thanks guys
2: he's so well spoken
0: <laughs> <laughs> our fans love it
2: <laughs> he knows so many words
0: <laughs> well that's how he uh started writing i guess
1: yeah he, <laughs> uh, he used his words yeah no he was he was awesome um and getting to see him up on stage a couple times talking about everything you could just tell the Mm. excitement that those guys have about having a con that really is all about board games Um, yeah and and i think you know he said it in the interview right it's the goal isn't as much to get out there and sell the games it's to to play with each other to teach other people and just kind of share the the love of really a, a whole industry that's burgeoning right now. Like this the board game yeah. industry is blowing up right now.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's amazing yeah. to see. Their panel was actually great. One
1: of the questions he got during the panel was are video games taking over for board games? Um and his answer was was kind of epic where, you know, in the past, you know, go back only ten years ago, you were either a board game designer or you were a video game designer. And you chose right. one of those two routes. And today you're seeing that cross back and forth as people are moving back and forth, not only in designing, but in the games themselves. Um, So one Mm. of the games that I just picked up at PAX Unplugged is this War of Mine, which is originally Mm -hmm. a video game. I've now got the board game version, which I've been slowly learning. So we're not going to talk about that because I don't know enough to talk about it, but it it (laughs) exists, right? An XCOM board game. XCOM is an amazing video game. Fantasy Flight had a full ad board game. Exactly. And so you're Mm -hmm. seeing this crossover that's never existed before, And that, I think, is Mm. part of what is drawing more people into that board game realm. As they realize the games that they play on their computer, they can now play at a table with friends.
0: And we're also getting games uh, crossover in the other way, where there are established board games that now have a digital version. So if you can't physically be with all your friends to play it, you can meet up with them online and play something like Settlers of Catan or Ticket to Ride.
2: Yeah, one of my favorite ways to learn a game is to get the iPad version and just play it for a bit. Uh, like, that's how I learned to play Ticket to Ride. That's how I learned, uh, what's the, uh, the, the, the Elder Sign. Uh, some of those Fantasy Flight ones that are quite complicated. Get the iPad version, play it on there a couple times. It, it walks you through it, and then you know how to play it. Because the physical thing can be quite daunting sometimes, especially those, you know, those epic Fantasy Flight games. Yeah.
1: Even every, knowing
0: the rules, those are tough.
1: Every group <laughs> needs one friend who just reads rules and teaches you the game.
0: <laughs> and that's yeah, why we, we have do James. We teach you,
1: James. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's yeah that's my job
0: that was something that was nice about pax unplugged um matt and i have owned the game secret hitler for a while as we just said in the um the interview there yes and we have not read the rule book (laughs) we're just we're just bad at that and honestly the rules to that are fairly simple (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're pretty I honestly i have
2: to play it to to learn i can't uh, reading the rules just i don't know it just goes right over my head, and I'm like, ah, I didn't pass half that.
0: No, I feel the same way, but it was very nice because at PAX Unplugged, we were able to find a group that had a looking for players sign up on their table when they were playing Secret Hitler. So we just joined up with them, and we learned the rules and played a couple of rounds, and now we've played mm-hmm. it 20 times since.
1: Yeah, you know, we've taught a, a whole new group of people how to play. Did it. we forget to learn their names?
0: Uh we did.
1: <laughs> we did.
0: We did. Guys, I know one of them.
1: Uh, one of them were, was Adolf Hitler. Yeah, so I know that. <laughs> One of them was definitely Hitler. Um, if you guys are listening to this right now, y- you were awesome. Um, thank you for teaching us secret Hitler. I'm and uh, sorry, I in. don't know your Let name. Let us
0: know.
2: Yeah, podcast at multiple right Write in and say you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, another another uh, another product product. That sounds too uh, too douchey. Yeah, that was that another was thing we
6: pushy.
2: talked Yeah. Another thing we talked about in the interview with Jerry uh that you have also experienced thus far this episode listeners was Sirenscape. That's where <laughs> James is getting those wonderful sounds that you're hearing. <laughs> Sirenscape is a uh it's an interactive music and sound effects app. Is that an accurate description?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's perfect. Um I'm playing with just like the super basic setup right now. Um, and uh-huh. it, it is mad fun It's got some really cool stuff that It's super simple to use Really cool things to add just that, that little bit of extra To the game you're playing
2: Yeah, we're going to speak to Steve from Sirenscape about the app And here's uh, he's what he had to say right, I'm here with Steve from Sirenscape And uh, he's just, he gives a rundown of uh, how it
7: all works And um, what our, our listeners can can enjoy out of it Hi there So yes, this is Sirenscape Which is a, an app designed for bringing immersive Sound straight into your playing games Really easy to use, and uh, best of all, the app is free of charge. So what you do is, um, on the the left-hand side, you have a whole list of encounters or moods, different type of creatures. You'd hit one button to activate one of those. That then brings up a list of moods. So you can go on this one, for instance, a really quiet town. We won't hear it here in the convention hall, but it's gone very quiet, birds chirping, kind of sounds of market hawkers. Turn the volume up a little bit more. I can
2: confirm that is indeed happening.
7: (laughs) Uh, The touch of one button, you should hope you be able to now hear ah! it's not a loop or a repeat every sound you can hear is actually a separately playing element and you can control those elements so you can actually turn off the music with a touch of one button you could increase the sound of the people screaming <laughs> by sliding up their individual element you could even then go into other sounds and add in some rain. So now your dragon's attacking in a bit of a rainstorm. But you don't want to have to do that whilst you're playing the game. So you can save that as a preset. So when you then start playing actually game in your group, you enter the town, one touch of a button, and it's now gonna play all the sounds that you wanted exactly as you wanted it set up. That's very cool. How many sound packs are there available? We've got two players. So on the fantasy player, we have about 190 sound sets. On the sci-fi player, we're, we're currently topping about 100 sound sets. We've got several licenses, uh, including like Paizo, so we're doing the Pathfinder and Starfinder. So obviously with the Starfinder just being released, the sci-fi player is getting a lot of new content coming out at the moment. But um, the sci-fi player also covers everything from like, cowboys and Indians right up to your high sci-fi. And your fantasy player does all of your high fantasy, and just your kind of even if you want to do historic games, you've got mass battles and all those type of sounds in there. And what platforms is the player available on? It works on pretty much everything. So it's on iOS, Android, PC and Mac, and even runs on Linux if you're operating through an emulator. cool. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. No problem at all. Thanks for your time.
2: Obviously, you couldn't see what he was showing us at the time on the app, but it's got sliders for each element, so you can turn up, like as he said, the sound of the villagers screaming, which (laughs) I guess was kind of a hilarious uh, thing that you might want to do. Or even just like you know there's background music or there's rain or there's whatever there's a slider for it you can adjust it and it's all like kind of it's a little bit random what random is not the right word like it's it's not like as he said it's not a loop it's very ambient and uh and and it's kind of just it just keeps going there in the background until you until you change it it's very cool
0: now you guys both dm various games for us is this something that you think you would use it's
1: oh, something I the will time. use.
2: <laughs> i've
0: already <laughs> we're about it. to start using this are you,
1: so okay, here we go. Right, every time somebody crit fails,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: it doesn't get better than that. And you think no. it's
0: something that you're not going to get caught up looking for sounds that will interrupt the game.
2: The interface is pretty good from what I from what I've seen of it. I, I, obviously, if if we're playing and we find that that I am distracted by the uh, <laughs> <laughs> by the pretty interface and I'm just playing sounds and we're not getting anywhere, feel free to tell me. Sure, and, uh, and then yeah. And then we'll write Steve an email and say, thanks for ruining the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm
1: I'm with Matt. Um, the interface is so smooth that, you know, you can preset something for a game. So if you know where you're going to be, you know, you can kind of have the atmospheric aspect set in. You can have that core set of what weapons your people are using. If you want to use it for weapon noises, anything like that. And then it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's half a second just to hit the right button and it plays and you're good to go. Yeah. Yep. So I don't see it. I don't see it as a drawback from a DM. It's not going to be another one other thing you need to take care of. Um, it's super easy yeah. to use. You can preset beforehand, and then you're ready to roll. So I just see it as adding that extra little bit of, of ambiance to to what you're doing.
0: That's great. I yeah. look forward to playing games with that because I think it improves <laughs> the – like you said, it improves the ambiance. And we've been doing that sort of um, when we play straw. Yep. You know, we kind of dim the lights and light candles and um, – that sounds and put
2: the witch's soundtrack
1: on. Yeah.
0: It sounds a lot sexier <laughs> than the game actually is. Yeah, but... <laughs> man, my,
1: my wife loves coming home to us playing DD in the basement with candles <laughs> lit. And yeah, I just she Nerds. does not stop making fun of me.
2: <laughs> yeah, whatever, well, she should join jealous. us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you want to talk about next?
1: Well, let's just go straight down the list. We got Super Kitty Bug Slap.
2: Oh yeah, that was fun. I like it's kind of it's snap. Yep. But, but like with cute little enhanced. cats and bugs it, yeah like it's a cool cool game so uh, you get a uh, a cat that is your cat like uh, it's a little picture of a cat and it'll either be orange or purple and or, it'll have a bug or green. either a mm-hmm. or, or green sorry uh, it'll have a ladybug or a a fly uh, and it'll be a particular shape like it's kind of a round or a square cat and then it's basically snap. like you uh, th- one person acts as the the dealer and they reveal a card and everyone has to try and grab it before the the rest of the players do but it's got to match one aspect of your cat now uh, am i explaining that okay yeah feel free to yeah, jump I in. Think, i think you're doing a decent <laughs> job explaining
1: it i think it's one of those games that's so ridiculously simple that yep. when you're explaining yeah. it you get confused because you're like it, it's easier than this but that's yeah i, mean, I, it I, I, I think yeah, that it's makes a very
0: sense. very simple party game that could get a little aggressive um, yes. But You very will fun. end up
2: slapping each other.
0: <laughs> and it's made by Steve Jackson Games, uh, famous for uh, Munchkin.
2: Yeah, it's just cute, fun, uh, fun game. Mm. I uh, I really enjoyed it. It's, like I said, simple. Uh, you can play it with, like, kids could play it. Uh, I think, well,
0: all ages, I think. Uh, another little fun, quick game like that that we played was Billionaire Banshee. So we've got an interview, actually, from the creator of the game, Razzlo. Uh It's a cute little game of... A- dating game where you get a uh, quirk and what's the other word
2: a quirk and uh a, and, a, and a benefit i guess like yeah. a, 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 i'm actually we'll see what <laughs> we'll see what words Razzle uses i'm
0: sure, <laughs> sure. He's...
1: yeah i think razzler did the best job describing it
0: and they're both a little bit weird for example the um when matt and i played together he got two cards uh one said that the person that he would potentially date um could get rid of any headache by sticking a finger in his belly button the perk Ugh. it was a Cork in a perk. Yep. That sounds right. I don't remember what that was.
2: Uh, <laughs> licking armpits?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They. Oh, Maybe yeah, that was a, the cork. That
2: was a sexual <laughs> fetish
1: where every time they were having sex with you, they wanted to lick your armpit, and the sweatier it was, the better Yes.
3: Yeah.
0: Ugh. So, and we all had to vote on whether or not Matt would date this person.
2: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> it's a
0: quick, quick little game with cute pixel art. Yep. So it's pretty cool, but we'll let Razlo describe it, because uh, I'm sure there's some better words that can be used for the game <laughs> than what we're doing.
2: I now give you Razlo. Alright, we're speaking with Razlo, creator of Billionaire Banshee. What can you tell us about the game?
8: Yeah, so Billionaire Banshee has been out for a few years. Uh, it started as just a thing that I did to make people uncomfortable in car rides but it didn't have cards at that point but it's just like I wanted to keep asking progressively uh, stranger questions like would you date someone if they had x trait right I kind of catalog it and then at the end go wait a minute you're okay with this but not that and it would make the car rides pass quickly but feel every- like a
2: log of everything you know about right, your friends. Right,
8: exactly. Exactly. And you always like find out more about people, which yeah. I really find a lot of fun. Sure. Uh, but not everybody has as twisted of an imagination as I do in terms of uh, coming up with traits that someone could have. Sure. And so I was like, all right, let me gamify this and see if people are interested in it. Mm-hmm. And we're about to do our fourth printing on it, so that's good. So people have been interested in it. Mm-hmm. And um, I try to make all the games that I designed something that you could explain and start playing in less than 30 seconds and this Mm -hmm. one's not any different Mm -hmm. basically we were ten for the game everyone's single and looking for a life partner Mm -hmm. and let's say that it's my turn i grab there's two draw piles there's a perk pile and a quirk pile Mm -hmm. i grab one of each
3: this represents
8: two new things i just found out about this person that's ideal for me Mm -hmm. and they're going to sway me one way or the other i'm going to say yes absolutely right it's additive or i'm okay with it i'm going to say I, that's beyond what I could possibly handle. them out. But I'm going to do it secretly. Everyone has these voting cards that say date or deny. Mm-hmm. You put them face down, and this prevents a situation from someone looking to see what the girlfriend does before right, right. they vote or someone changing their answer afterwards to try to match their partner because they're embarrassed that <laughs> what they really want, you know? Yeah. And so I'll give you an example of some of the two cards that I have out here. The perk is, uh, you know... Your union was foretold in fables. <laughs> All in the land know of your love. Bards sing stories about you too. Animals in nature would even take notice. And you'd live happily ever after. So that's the setup. Right. Um, I personally like a very quirky person, but everyone's different. And the quirk with this is, so picture Snow White. They want to lick your armpit during sex. Uh, they prefer if your armpits are sweaty. They like both shaved or unshaved. They lick your armpits during most sessions, and sometimes they kiss you after. That last line gets a lot of people. (laughs) But let's be honest, that's the reality of what would happen in that situation. Uh And so then I would secretly put down my card to secretly vote everyone else. And the great thing is this facilitates two things that people love doing. Everyone wants to know what other people think about them Mm -hmm. or what they would say behind their backs or whatever. And the game mechanics are now every time someone goes to flip their card, they have to explain why they think they yes. don't just put it, they have to explain why you're definitely voting the way they chose. Justify that. And so they would yeah, so they'd be like, they watched a lot of Disney movies, so I know he's like really into like, you know, the fairy tale kind of stuff. And, you know, I think that what he's into is like way kinkier than that, so it's not even an issue, you know? And then you get to hear what each person has to say about you before they're either way off or, or, or right on. You eventually reveal Yes, I would, in this case, date this person. I am a romantic. Even if I'm not into that, With I'm not, I'm gonna use that as a bargaining chip to get what I want in bed. Uh As everyone that matched me then gets a point. If they didn't match me, they don't get a point. And if we're playing the drinking version, which is really simple to remember how to play, you just take a drink every time you're wrong about something in the group. And so it's a game that forces people to be social, which is nice. And the other thing that people have used it for a lot, I've seen, especially in these game groups, is people will use it as a starting game. Like, Let's say you have a, right. a group of friends that's from work and you have a group of friends that's like your local hangouts. How do you get those two groups to start interacting without being awkward? Yeah. You always get like the a- initial questions of like, oh, so where do you work? And then if it's like boring, there's no follow-up questions. Yeah, yeah. Like that. But would you, is, would you date someone who wanted to lick your armpit? Right. There's follow-up questions, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. And so that's forcing the conversation. Yeah. And then after well, you've, you've had, done, like, 15 man. minutes, 20 minutes of playing this, you've talked about so much stuff that you're going to have a way yeah. easier time, like, conversing. You've become close friends. Right, exactly.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. Well, where can people find the
8: game? Uh, the game's available on Amazon. It's available at almost every GameStop in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an exclusive version that just came out last week uh, for Think Geek. Uh, which is called Mega Billionaire Banshee. It has the main game, the sexy pack, uh, and then 10 exclusive cards. And then, I mean, there's tons of other, probably your local game shop probably has it as well. Very cool. All right, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Nice talking to you.
2: All right. So yeah, that was a fun game. I I can definitely see that uh, breaking the ice at Mm -hmm. parties.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a perfect party game. It's also like, you know, when you're in the middle of like a Catan tournament, just break it up every once in a while, have something fun
2: and simple to do. Yeah, yeah. Lick each other's armpits.
0: <laughs> I like those party <laughs> games. We played another one too, Death Wish. Oh yeah, that was great. Oh, yeah, that game really is cool awesome. One. I wish I wish we had bought it. Yeah, no use, <laughs> still like... can. I know, but we could have just bought it there. They had the um, Not Safe for Work packs there as well, the expansions.
1: Right. And and that, that was uh, cool. that was Zafty Games, right? That's right. Yeah, that that was fantastic. Uh so the purpose of that game is to kill yourself. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's I mean that's that's pretty much the goal of the game. So With really
0: fun yep. diseases.
1: Yeah, like smallpox. Yeah. I think that's the <laughs> only one I remember. Um so you get uh right so you get different cards uh their symptoms um diseases Right. Yeah, this yeah. I'm doing this right. Yeah, I'm yep. trying to remember yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like you wanna... this one.
2: Yeah, you want and to you, prevent were, uh, the symptoms other players and from getting diseases.
1: Yeah, that's it. Symptoms and afflictions. Um, yeah, and so you're you're trying to give yourself all these afflictions, all these different diseases. Each one has a different number of skulls on the bottom, which indicates how horrible it is. First person in <laughs> 10 skulls dies, and you win the game by dying. <laughs> the humor in the game is yep. great. But that was the game where I was ready to win for like five rows in a round, and the entire table yeah. just turned on me. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly.
1: That was horrible.
0: <laughs> this is one of those really great companies too that offers the full game as a PDF printout for free. Oh cool. So if you go to their website, you can actually download the whole game, print it and play it.
2: Oh, that's interesting.
0: I like when companies do that.
2: I do too, but then I'm like, hopefully they can survive doing that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but I more. think I mean I, I did this at the beginning for Cards Against Humanity before I was able to buy it when oh, it was that's all true. sold yeah, out. That's true. And then eventually I did buy it. You can actually do this for Secret Hitler as well.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, I think the reality is when you do a print and play, you're not bringing it to like Staples and printing it out on super good cardstock. You're printing it out on paper in your house. Mm-hmm. And if you like right. the game and you play it, the one you printed and played is literally going to fall apart. Yeah. So you're going to buy the real <laughs> version. Yeah.
0: And I'm sure some people will just, you know, continue on with that version of the game. But uh, for me, if I really like the game, I'm going to buy it.
2: Totally. Yeah, I remember playing Cards Against Humanity uh, printed on bits of paper for for the first while because it wasn't available in australia
0: exactly
1: all right so we talked about some of the the quick short games let's talk about one of the longer games um Uh uh-huh this game i I know where you're going with this oh you know exactly where i'm going (laughs) this this game had an interesting history for us at pax unplugged uh the first time we sat down and played it super excited um i love the theme it's this like supernatural theme you're you're exploring it's a deck exploration game um you're playing these characters who who can like see things that the rest of the world can't the vampires the werebears um it's a really really cool game right uh we yes. sat down um we we tried to play for like 20 minutes we could barely figure out how to play uh someone came over and tried to help us but but not really but they tried which was really nice uh and we walked away and we were like this <laughs> this game is shit right um that was my my. We take were actually away, really
0: disappointed about it too, because we were like, we really wanted to play this. It's just too much effort, right? And, so
1: disappointed,
0: and we were exhausted at this point.
1: That is true. This was uh, what? This was day two at like five o'clock. Yeah. Yes. Um. So you know, so you understand, you know, we it, it, for us to get the packs Unplugged with like a six-hour drive, and we started that Thursday night, finished it Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday, yes. we were at at the event from ten o'clock in the morning till about midnight. Um, and then back mm-hmm. there, 9.30 the next morning, uh, and this yes. was like in the evening, I don't even think we had food yet before we played this. No, like that's we right. Out, yeah, we we didn't even eat all day. <laughs> so we played this, well, it was a terrible game, really disappointed. So Sunday morning, we go back, and we're like, the first thing we're going to do, we're going to play this game for real this yeah, time. Yeah,
0: we had actually discussed back at the hotel, yeah. like, we're going to give this game another chance, because we, we really feel like we would like it. <laughs>
2: yeah pretty sure this is actually a good game and we suck yeah that's a, i think that was pretty
1: yeah that was the, the essence right um yeah so we we go to the booth we sit down to play it again guy comes over he's like oh you guys were here yesterday what'd you think and you know me being me was like oh we thought it was sure sh- uh, we just we were tired um, <laughs> so we, we're trying again they told us that you could sit down with a designer um and actually play with the designer so we we did you know ran over signed up got in um and the game is is fucking awesome um we actually know how to play now, which I makes a difference in games, um, especially ones like this. So the game is called Apocrypha.
0: And yeah, um, not only mm-hmm. do we know how to play, but James now owns a copy.
1: Yeah, I, I did that. Um, it was that good. Um, I actually, so like Sunday, I thought about buying it on the con, but I, I didn't spend any money. So I was really happy and I left. And then Sunday night, I got home and bought it.
0: I'm um, not sure that that counts. <laughs> I'm not sure you can say I didn't spend any money at PAX when you just bought everything when you got home.
1: Well, yeah, but I bought it at <laughs> home. I didn't buy it at PAX. So yeah. that totally yeah, counts. True. Um, it's true. Yeah. So the, the game is Apocrypha. It's an adventure card game. If you've ever played the Pathfinder adventure card game, this is put out by that same crew, right? So the guys who developed the Pathfinder adventure card game, this is kind of the, the next generation. There's a little bit more going on with it. It's a little bit more intense. Um, it's a little more cooperative, actually. There's more aspects to help each other, but helping each other mm-hmm. isn't always a good thing. Um overall the game is it's really cool. Um so it's Lone Shark games and the game is Apocrypha. It's kinda of that that crazy
2: I don't know, what buffy ish type of world, would you say?
3: Sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, like a gothic kind of horror. Um Yeah, I guess gothic horror basically. And a bit, a bit of steampunky gothic horror kind of I guess I would describe it. Yep.
1: And I, uh, I
0: really liked that this could be played as both a card game <clears throat> or an RPG.
1: Yes. Oh yeah, that part so yeah, when we <laughs> sat down with the designer, instead of running us through kind of the one of the campaign modes, levels, chapters, um, she actually ran us through basically an RPG where we used the, the mechanics of the game to tell a story. And it yeah. worked so well. It was really clean, yeah, it, was... it was really simple. Um if you're if you're a burgeoning DM, you know, if you're just getting into it, what's great is that you can use the cards to kind of pre plan a story. So you don't have to create something brand new; it's all in the cards. You just kind of put it together the way you want it to run, mm-hmm. and it's it's super clean.
2: I like the way she framed it as: imagine this is the pilot episode of a television show, and so we we kind of played the whole thing out and described the camera movements and stuff. I thought that was really that was a really cool uh, angle on 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 playing like a, a game, like a role playing game, like that. Like that was really fun. Yeah, and uh, it kind of. I th- it was a good way to, uh, it was a good in, uh, in point as well. Like if you weren't, if you, sometimes role-playing itself is, is a little hard for people, like acting like another person, but it was a really cool way. Like you could just describe, oh, the camera moves over and shows this and does that. And then, and, and, I don't know. I, th- I feel like it was a good way of getting people on board Um, versus you are now this character behave, you know, talk to me like you are that character. Some people don't like doing that.
0: That's Right. And we played oh. with another guy who uh, we did not get his name either. So, hey, guy, if you're listening, <laughs> thanks for we playing suck. with us. We
1: really we we do really suck at that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, we know Liz's name. That's we right. Do? Oh, yeah. We should probably tell people. Um, Liz yeah. Spain. That was, uh, she's one of the designers of the game, and that's who we played with. Um, and she was fantastic. It was really
2: cool. Yeah. Thank um, you. We really appreciate uh, also, yeah. you taking the time to do that.
1: And your the, dog is
0: adorable. The,
1: yeah, he is. Yes. Uh, the <laughs> dude, the dude we played with. I should know his name, though, because he has my problem. Um, In his group of friends, his job is to learn the game and teach it to everybody.
0: Sorry, did you say problem?
2: No, no. I meant uh, he has that same joyous role that I have.
0: Yeah, right. He he has that
2: secret. His superpower is knowing how to, well, learning how to play board games. No, I thought James just knew. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, just, I don't
0: think he puts any work into it
2: yeah he just intrinsically knows how to he oh looks God. at a game and, and he's like i i know how to do this
1: you know that that happened last night so thanksgiving every year uh we're recording this on black friday so yesterday was thanksgiving um in america y'all mm-hmm. probably don't do that shit in australia um nope yeah no it's not like a real thing it's cool so um so <laughs> thanksgiving do, is not a real thing well, I mean, look if you if you look at the history, I think it started after the War of eighteen twelve, celebrating the War of eighteen twelve, and then at some point they're like, no, let's make it about pilgrims. And we're like, okay, cool, we'll make it about pilgrims. Um, but pilgrims. Yeah,
2: Jenna told me it was about cowboys and Indians.
1: It it yeah, it is. It, we're celebrating the cowboys and Indians. Yep. Interesting. That's what yeah. Okay. That's what we give thanks for. All okay. the spaghetti Good. westerns. That's
2: what
3: I. That's
2: <laughs> what, that's what I that's what i was told
1: yeah but we were playing um betrayal at house on the hill um and they had the expansion oh, cool. right so we sat down we're setting it up i i read the rules for the expansion as we're setting it up and then we start playing and they're like oh what does this do and i tell them and they're like wait how do you know I'm like oh, i read the
2: rules they're like we didn't see you read the rules <laughs> apparently i do shit very sneakily at board games <laughs> you do you do we'll be playing a game and then i'll be like oh now we have to you know advance this this token to the next step and i'm like what the hell it's already moved And it's because you did it. Yeah, that's true. At some point, yeah. There's also been games like
1: cooperative games where I've just straight up cheated um, for the entire group, (laughs) and nobody, nobody knows what happened. Like everything's in the center of the table; it's all right there. And I'm not. I do this slowly, so I don't understand how people don't see this. But I'll like flip cards over and then just tuck them away somewhere else. And the group's like, yeah, no, we're doing great. I'm like, yeah, no, we died like 10 turns ago, guys. But it's I'm cool. pretty sure
0: that happened the other day when we were playing in Game Night.
1: Yep. yep. Yeah, that was, Pandemic.
0: The last uh, Pandemic. Uh, no, no, no. But no it happened it again.
1: Marvel Legendary. Oh, it did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it happened yeah,
2: twice then. It happens <laughs> more than you might think. Hmm. No, we're really good at games. Yeah. yeah we're really good at games. Is. So good. Well, speaking of role-playing games... Uh, We were very keen to check out the uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse role-playing game. (laughs) Okay, that was needed.
1: I've been waiting for this game forever. Um, If you haven't played Sentinels of the Multiverse, the card game, it is hands down my favorite card game out there. So much fun. Mm. Um, The role-playing game they announced a few years ago they were working on this. Uh, PAX Unplugged was the very first time anybody got their hands on it, uh, which was really neat. Um, we got to to talk with one of the designers, Dave, um, and you'll get to hear an interview with him in a moment. Um, but this was Mm -hmm. his first time getting his hands on paper copies of it as well. Up until I think the day before he had only been looking at PDF versions. So it was really neat. Um, I'll try to give you like a super quick rundown of Sentinels. If you're not familiar with the world, the designers are a little bit, uh, I would say crazy, I guess. Um, and here's the reason why, right? So, they created this card game where you're playing as superheroes and you're fighting against a super villain, So they have this whole world of superheroes and you're like, that's awesome. They created their own world of superheroes. <laughs> yeah, but they went one step further. They didn't just create the superheroes. They created the world in which the comic book ran that created the superheroes. So think about that for a second, right? It's not just one level. It's, it's multiple levels of creation here. So they created a world where a comic book company called Sentinel Comics exists. And then in that world of Sentinel Comics that's where they created the superheroes. So when they tell you the stories about their superheroes, Mm. um, they don't just tell you the story of how that superhero progressed, but they tell you the story of what the writers and the authors were doing with that superhero, (laughs) say in the 1940s and the 1970s, 60s, 80s, and how that story changed. Um, one of my favorites is a character named unity who did not get her start in the comics, but actually got her start in a 1990s cartoon show for kids. Um, and her name was Debbie, and everybody hated her. And then in the 2000s, they, the writers brought her into the comic world as Unity. And now everybody loved her. Right? <laughs> and it was like, it's really cool that they put way too much thought into this game. Like, way too yeah, much like thought. a lot of effort
0: in story building.
1: Right. It's like a stupid amount. You don't need it. But...
0: They must have a huge marker board at home to connect all the dots to these people.
1: They do. Um, so they've got a pad- <laughs> podcast called The Letters Page. Um, And if you listen to it, they like legitimately will spend an entire day beforehand with a giant whiteboard writing out the story of one of their characters so they can tell it because they have to. Um, Amazing. But they brought that element into the RPG. And it's really cool because you're not just playing a superhero in their RPG. You're playing a superhero that is in a comic book. And that comic book has an impact on how the game gets played. Um, I think Dave did a, a pretty good job of explaining it, so I don't know if you want to toss that up, and we'll see if he he can get the right words out that I can't get out. Hey guys, this is James from Multiple Nerdgasm. I am here with Dave from Greater Than Games. We're looking at the new Sentinels of the Multiverse RPG. Dave, you're one of the designers on this.
9: How long has this project been in the works? Oh, it's been years and years now. I mean, we reached out. Um, you know, I have my own kind of game studio where we reached out to the Greater Than Game guys at Gen Con, like four years or so ago now, maybe even more, and said, we'd really love to do an RPG. And they said, we would love to have an RPG. But then these things take time to both come to like, oh, you have a hole in your schedule, and then actually like making the darn game, and then making it good, because it definitely didn't start good, you know? And so eventually we got there, and um, the starter kit here is kind of the first real release of the game uh, in its playable form. Yeah, so I've been
1: following you guys for a long time. This is the first time I've ever even heard of the starter kit. Did you? Was there a pre-release announcement that I missed, or is this kind of a surprise here?
9: We uh, have done some amount of announcements, like on the website, and uh, we have we've been doing demos at Gen Con. We were doing pre-orders at Gen Con because we had the like very first sample prints of it that were running there. But this is the first time anyone's actually been able to get their hands on it, including myself. Actually, I've just had the files up until yesterday afternoon, but actually holding in my hands. That's so awesome.
1: Um, Can you give us just a quick rundown of what is in the starter kit? What do you get?
9: Absolutely. So the starter kit is designed to teach players and GMs how to play the game and also give them a complete kind of mini campaign experience. So what it comes with is the gameplay guide, which teaches the rules of the game and also how to GM the game. And then it comes with six character booklets that are some Sentinels characters that you're probably familiar with. Uh, It's the Freedom 5 plus their now former intern Unity who are coming together to uh, stop a new threat and the story is picking up kind of right after the big Oblivion event happens where a bunch of the world was destroyed and the multiverse collapsed and nothing will ever be the same and that kind of thing. And so it kind of picks up there both as an introduction to the game and uh, kind of an explanation of where the story is at now and where the, the RPG is going to start. So you get the gameplay guide, those six character booklets, and then there are six complete issues as we call them because it's a comic book RPG and not just like a superhero campaign RPG. And each issue is about two hours or so of gameplay, you know, plus or minus. And they all are interconnected together, including a chunk that your players can play in any order that they want. So they'll actually experience kind of a different series of events depending on what choices that they make, wrapping up with issue six, and then you've played a full what we call trade paperback as you collect all of those issues into kind of one complete thing, and that can be a springboard for your own Sentinels campaign later, or if you want to um, put it aside until the core book comes out and then make your own heroes from there, but it'll give you, you know, like 12 hours of uh, gameplay that teaches you the system and how to run it at the same time.
1: That's fantastic. So if you're a fan like me of the letters page and everything that Sentinels offers, you guys know that they not only run a whole new universe of heroes, but they run a whole new universe of comic books. And their comic books stretch back into the 1940s, 1930s. So you guys took that into account when you created this RPG as well?
9: Absolutely. So we've worked pretty closely with, you know, Christopher and Adam and everyone at Greater Than Games, actually works in the office to make sure everything lines up with where the story is and what characters do they want to show off. Uh, and I think people, when we get to the core book, might actually be surprised about who's there and who's not. Even if you're up on the letters page, like you'll know some of the big changes to some of these characters. But then there's a whole new team of heroes that, as far as I know, have not appeared somewhere and you'll meet them throughout the course of the core rule book. And, Uh, What happens in the starter kit is kind of a springboard for a lot of those changes as well. So I think there's still going to be some prizes. But also, like when I've been demoing this and people who are super fans of the letter page, I'll say, and then this thing happens, we'll be like, really? And you're like, yeah, sorry, spoiler. You know, but, uh, and then Oblivion uh, and the rest of the letters page will kind of fill in those gaps as well. And then we get to make up new stuff. So that's cool. That's awesome, man. Um, So we got the the starter kit out now, and then the
1: core rulebook, when are we expected to see that?
9: So we are working on the core book frantically right now, and we are shooting for next year. Um, There will definitely be a Kickstarter uh, probably like early to mid next year to uh, fund the core book, and if it does well enough, try and fund supplements and some other cool stuff with it, you know, make the book better, that kind of thing, Uh, and, you know. Sometime next year is when we're shooting for, but I can't make any promises. So the things out of my hands, basically. All right, and the price of
1: the starter kit, I believe it's twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Yep. Do we have a concept of where that core rulebook is going
9: to be coming in yet? No clue. And a lot of that's like Kickstarter math. that, fortunately is not my area to figure out. I just have to. You know, make the game and write the game, and they'll figure out how much to sell it for. And you know, if it, if it, there's a lot of interest, it might be a slightly larger book that we're able to afford for the same price. But it's not going to be like uh, pathfinder size tome, no matter what. You know, it's going to be more spread out across multiple books. But the core rulebook is still going to give you, uh, you know, all these rules that you'll get in the starter kit, but expanded. You know, to uh, offer more advice and also options and that kind of thing. You know, the rules are, are identical to what's in the starter kit but there'll be more you can do with them or you know more situations that come up it'll cover that and then there'll be more for game masters to cover and there'll also be tons of rules for creating your own heroes uh, changing heroes as they go through different events and storylines saying like now I have ice powers instead of fire powers and like it'll represent all that kind of stuff Uh, for GMs they'll be able to create their own villains or modify villains that are already you know in the Sentinels universe Uh, They'll be able to create their own environments, which environments are actually a piece of the RPG, as well as, you know, how the card game works. Uh, And just all kinds of advice, you know, toolbox things, uh, some sample issues to play through if uh, you can get through the starter kit or if you want kind of smaller stuff to explore. And, uh, yeah, so all that stuff will be in there.
1: Awesome, man. That sounds amazing. We're looking forward to it. And we're hopefully going to be doing a full playthrough of this on a podcast coming up soon. So stay tuned, guys.
0: So I I heard you dropped a little spoiler in there.
2: Yeah, you dropped a spoiler at the end. That's a little bit. Wait, of, I dropped a spoiler. Little bit of a, a, a a foreshadow. Tease. What it Oh. Yeah. Oh,
1: are you talking about uh the playthrough? Yeah. Um so uh I I might have like lost my geek mind. Um but we are going to be working with greater than games uh talking with Dave the designer of the RPG um and uh, we're if schedules work out, we are going to be doing a playthrough of the mm-hmm, Sentinels mm-hmm. of the Multiverse RPG with the gentleman who designed yeah. it, uh, Dave Chalker, uh, for you guys. So yeah, it'll be, be yeah. epic terrific if we're able to, to really forward pull this off. So
2: yeah, we'll let you know what's going on with that and uh, and when when we can coordinate it all.
0: So speaking of RPGs, James, do you wanna mm. run us through ten candles? Yes. Ooh. Because this is a game that I'm not very familiar with, but I know you've brought it up to us before as something you wanted to play. Um, and we actually met with and interviewed the developer, Steve. Yeah.
1: So um, Ten Candles is a game that I've wanted for a very long time, which costs so much money. Um, I think it's $10. <laughs> I don't know why I don't have it. Like, it's one of those, like, I just I think I don't have it because I have so many games and my wife did kill me. I
2: think you can actually download it from the website for free. I think I'm fairly certain he told us that it's available on the website. No, I think so. I think the PDF is $10. Oh, I
1: see. Right. Right. So the PDF is $10. The book is $30. Um, But you don't care about that, right? You want to know about the game. Okay. Sorry. So the game, um, (laughs) the game is a, it's a one night RPG. Um, It's a, it's a TPK game, total party kill game. Right. So the whole concept is that you are telling the story of the end of the world. Um, you start the game with 10 tea candles lit on the table. This is not just like, oh, it should be, you know, some nice ambiance, uh, like how we play our Dungeons and Dragons with candles. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that really does sound so horrible. Yeah, right? Like, we're super geeky. Yeah. Um, okay, so this game needs It's awesome. It, right? What are you talking about? You guys are crazy. <laughs> in, in this one, the candles are part of the game. As the game progresses, you slowly blow out the candles, and when the last candle goes out, the game ends period that's it it's done it's over everybody's dead um but what you're discovering is how did you die what happened um and one of the cool parts is that if a candle accidentally goes out if somebody opens the wrong door and a breeze comes through that's cool that's the game you know it's gonna end that much sooner (laughs) Um, but i think i think steve did a a really good job of explaining it Um, i honestly i didn't even know he was a designer i walked in i was like oh my god i love this game i want this game who are you he's like i'm the guy who wrote it I was like oh fucking awesome um yeah so we got to talk to him and let's hear what he has to say all right all right guys i'm here with steven he is the creator of 10 candles which is an rpg you should have heard of if you haven't yet but just in case steven can you give us kind of like a quick 30 second synopsis what is this about
6: sure so 10 candles is a tragic horror storytelling game played by the light of 10 tea light candles um, players are survivors in the middle of some horror movie scenario. And at the end of the game, when the last candle goes out, all of the characters die. So when you say all the characters die, you mean everyone dies? Everyone dies at the end, yeah. It is not a survival horror game. There's no survivors making it out at the end. Everyone knows going in, this is a game where no one survives it. We will all die, and we'll all die at the end of the game.
1: Now, there's a couple key aspects to your game that I haven't seen in any others. others, uh, which is meaning that you're giving other people secrets? Is that kind of the the right way to phrase it?
6: Yeah, so everyone has some hidden knowledge, Uh, they have uh, a secret that is what they're basically capable of when pushed to the absolute brink of madness and despair, and that's something that they know and maybe another character knows too, Um, but that is kept secret until everything else in the game has literally burned away and that's all they have left. If they want to embrace that secret, they can choose to, or they can try to resist it.
1: Now, gameplay time-wise, how long does it take to play?
6: At the absolute most, uh, you really can't play past the light of a tea light candle. So depending on where you actually get your candles, that varies between three to four hours. Because if those candles go out on their own, they're out. Uh, usually, sometimes, you, since you're going to be darkening candles as you play, you usually land somewhere in the two to three hour range, but it could go as much as four.
1: From a complication perspective, people who haven't played a lot of RPGs, from what I've heard, this is a relatively easy one to get in and flow with. But what's your take on that?
6: Yeah, this is a great game for people who have played for a while or people that are brand new to role-playing games. I've heard a lot of people say this was the first game they actually ran for their friends who haven't run games before. It's very rules-light. It's a lot of focus on the narration, but the rules do just enough to give you a strong support to the story. They get in, do what they need to do, and get out of your way.
1: That's fantastic. And then the cost of the book, how much is the Core Rulebook?
6: Core Rulebook's $28. Um, You can also buy a PDF of it online on cavalrygames.com for $10, uh, but $28 for the actual softcover rulebook.
1: That's fantastic, man. Um, Is there any other cool little things you'd like us to know about this?
6: Um, we do, uh, we did also just recently release a supplementary volume called, and we are alive, uh, which is actually a book of 10 short stories, a book of fiction inspired by the world of 10 candles. Uh, so if you like 10 candles or are looking for some creative inspiration for it, you can check that out as well on CavalryGames.com. All right. Awesome.
1: Stephen. thank you so
6: much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Awesome.
2: That sounds like something that could
6: also be very fun to do a podcast with.
2: I was about to say, I I might want to propose that we do that at some point. Uh, I will, I would definitely do that if you guys buy
1: it. (laughs) <laughs> all right Oh, let me get my uh let me get my credit card out yeah you got you got that house money saved up you're good <laughs> i'm telling them we don't want the house we want to play 10 candles 10 candles sorry guys uh
2: can't afford the down payment on the house Ten i'm candles. buying that 10 dollar <laughs> pdf <laughs> i was i was I, in my mind i was like 10 candles or 16 candles no 16 candles is something very different <laughs> Can we play that RPG too? Yes.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: That's the that's the one where we each role play somebody
1: going to a dance. Everybody plays as yeah. Molly Shotgun. Ringwald. Yeah. No, no. I wanna play the I wanna play the kid who gets the underwear.
0: Anthony Michael Hall.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's him. Yep. <laughs> so um while I was off doing my own thing, uh you guys went out and you you played Cutthroat Caverns and you actually picked this game up too, right? This was Smirk and Dagger?
2: Yes. We were uh we were run through the game by Drew from Smirk and Dagger Games. Thanks, Drew. He ran us through kind of a, a preset demo cavern uh, of the game. This is a cooperative, backstabby kind it's of... Uh,
0: semi-cooperative.
2: Yeah. Like, you've got to help each other, but also you want to win. So uh, it's a little... A little. You get into some backstabby, kind of cool um, PvP <laughs> stuff as the game progresses. Uh, it, it's it's quite simple. Actually, it's, it's very simple once you once you get the swing of it um you uh you have a dungeon which is a stack of cards uh you flip one over uh, to reveal what you're going to be fighting, and then everybody uh, plays cards to to either attack the monster or to fuck with other players or to heal or to boost other attacks there's very diff- various different things you can you can play uh, and then whoever deals the killing blow to the creature receives prestige points for the uh, for the kill and basically if you survive then the player with the most prestige points wins and that's the gist of it really yeah uh,
0: and we did get to interview Kurt from Smirk and Dagger Games to tell us a little bit about that game and about the concept of their kind of backstabby games in general
2: And with Kurt from Smirk and Dagger Games, we had the pleasure of playing Cutthroat Caverns yesterday. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about the game or any other of the games that you have here at the show you'd like our listeners to check out?
10: Sure. Uh, Yeah, Cutthroat Caverns is one of our perennial favorite games. Um, It is now in its almost 10th year, and it is an amazing cooperative backstabbing game that takes place in a dungeon.
6: Mm
10: -hmm. Um, The nice feature about the game is that you have to work together just to survive. Right. But it's a game about kill stealing. Yes. So eventually, if you don't trip someone or edge them out of the way to get your blow in and not theirs, yes. you're never going to win either. Yeah.
2: You want to help each other, but not too
10: much. Right. And quite honestly, the more you mess with each other, mm-hmm. the creatures stay alive, they do more damage, and you all get closer to death. Yeah. But it doesn't stop you from acting in your own worst interest just to get the win. Yeah. And so it's got a great dynamic tension um, and the game now, like I said, it's, it's, it's been uh, in print now for 10 years. It's expanded five times, including uh, our fifth expansion, which just launched at uh, in August. Very cool. And um, the creatures are what really make the game interesting. Every single one. And there's now over like 120 creatures in the game. Wow, OK. Um, not one of them plays the same. So it's like playing 120 mini games right. in that universe.
6: Yeah,
10: yeah. Um, the game itself is kind of funny. I, the, it was inspired by um, the dichotomy between my two role-playing groups. Right. So when I was in high school, I had a very unusual D&D group. It was me and six women.
4: Right.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, that's, yeah. So that's unusual. Yeah. I been, yeah. And this is
10: back in the 80s. Yeah, so, yeah. Totally. Um, so in any case, um, it was very token, very lawful good. Man, if you found a magic weapon, it went to the person who could wield it best. Right. 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 I went to college, and I had a whole new playgroup. All these dudes, like, right. you know, And I was shocked and horrified sitting <laughs> and playing with them. The DM was never going to dish out anything as horrible as the people sitting right next to me. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, what? What is this? People are jerks. Yeah. So that moment that I experienced, I wanted to... To capture and hold throughout the entire game. Very cool. And that's really what the game is all about. Yeah. Excellent.
8: Um,
2: where can our listeners check out the game and, and anything else that you guys have?
10: Oh, sure. Well, um, you can come to Um yep. We've got all our games there, uh, both for sale and just to kind of peruse and take a look. Um, they can read about you know, all the different reviews and things. Uh, cool. Plus... Um, you know it's for sale at all the local game stores um if you can't find it there you can ask for it at the counter cool or you can come to our website it's on amazon it's all over the place excellent um but um yeah it's if if you like um kind of a a mean spirited twist Mm -hmm. to a game where you're lining up your friends and just enjoying sinking a dagger in their back man this is the game for you Excellent. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for the time. You bet. Thank you.
2: Yeah. So he, ma- he mentioned it briefly, but yeah, the way you have to kill each monster is completely different based on the card. So, uh, every encounter is, is different. Like for example, there was one, we played it the other day and we had to, uh, if you don't kill the monster in one round, then you have to kind of, I- its health goes back up, uh, and your attacks stay, but their power is reduced so, the next round you'll do a little bit more damage, and the next round after that you'll do a little bit more damage, and eventually you'll you'll kill the monster but uh the all of the encounters are completely different it's It's a fun game i, I yeah I like no, it. um, so we played
1: that together um you know my my take on the game, I think it took maybe forty five seconds to learn how to play
7: yeah, um, it's pretty simple super simple
1: mm-hmm. it It starts off a little slow um the first mm-hmm. couple of rounds, I'm thinking like, ah, right, this game is okay, it's kind of lame. Um, and then suddenly you started backstabbing each other. Yeah. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's really the essence of the game, right? Like that's where I had the fun, um, was trying to do the best you can while still dicking over everybody else at the table. Mm-hmm.
0: And we had that fun yeah. monster that you had to fight in ascending order of damage points. Oh, right. Yeah. That
1: was cool. Yeah, that one was cool. Um, too. We
0: actually got the expansion pack from them as well, the fifth edition or fifth expansion, which introduces some other concepts to it. Yeah,
2: the fifth expansion is called Death Incarnate. It's got some really uh, awesome art uh, for the for the creatures. The creatures are kind of based on uh, there's, there's the Seven Deadly Sins in there. It's all very, very uh, dark and death themed. Yeah, most of cool. the artists
0: uh, are listed in the instruction book, actually, and they were all uh, deviant artists. Some of these
2: are like, amazing it's got it's got a bunch of new events uh and new relics all themed around the kind of the death and despair uh angle. I guess it, it puts like a dark twist on on the whole thing. It's a little lighthearted, I guess in the core pack and this takes it to a nice dark place. So uh I need to just spit in about Sirenscape real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I've been playing with this. Um their sounds are mapped to the keyboard as well.
3: Oh,
2: what so but-
1: when you pull up a soundboard um the the new board that you mapped is mapped to the numbers. So you can just hit like 0123 and pull up different sounds. Oh. And then your core set of sounds is mapped to your uh your letters, keyboards. The fuck? That's horrible sounding. Um but you know, like you hit like <laughs> ABC and you're gonna pull up those things for ABC. So if you have it mapped out appropriately for what you wanna do, you don't even need to look at it. You can literally just be looking at your group, type in what you need to type in, and suddenly have a myriad collection of sounds come up that
2: explain what's happening. That's awesome. That's fucking sweet. <laughs> we'll be using that in future on on our live stream role playing games and and also just privately when we play. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and also just around the house. So I'm going to be using it. Oh, without a doubt.
0: Anytime Sarah asks you to clean something, James. Aww. Aww.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> She'll love
1: that. She will. She will. And then when she actually cleans something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we got to play a bunch of games at the Atlas booth. Yes. I love this company because Gloom is one of my favorite games. If you haven't played Gloom, it is a wonderful storytelling game with beautiful cards. Uh, they're all see through. So they stack and you can see everything that's underneath them um, where you try to uh, kill off your family members at their most miserable moment while mm-hmm. trying to kill off your opponent's uh, family when they are most happy. Mm-hmm. It's a great game. Yeah, yeah super fun. We got to play Murder of Crows. The style of the cards were in a tarot form
2: mm-hmm. where
0: you spell out murder.
2: When you play a card, it has a letter on it and it also has a... Uh, an action associated with it. So it's like you can play an M, but when you play an M, what, what does M stand for? Uh, so the
0: M stands for misplace. So anytime you play an M, you can take uh, one card of your choice from another player's uh, already spelled out murder um,
7: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
0: put it into your hand. Um, there are things like uncover when everyone else has to reveal their hands to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. Expel when everyone discards their entire hand, um, things like that. So anytime you play a letter... Uh, it has an action associated with it.
2: Yeah, I, I actually found this quite difficult to follow until we started playing, and then it, and then it, and then it came very quickly. It's actually it is a very simple game. Yeah, it's very fun. And he also he mentioned that the the tarot card layout is the uh, is the new edition. Is that right? That's so right. Originally, it was standard cards,
0: and it comes in a fun tin box now, uh, as opposed mm. to the old cardboard. We also played. I don't know how to pronounce this. Lost in Relay. Yeah, that'll do. Which is a Cthulhu R- yeah. game relate really, really, really yeah. uh, which is a cool Cthulhu game that plays uh as he described it it was a cross between uno and uh, Gin Rummy but yeah. with awesome 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 Cthulhu art
2: awesome Cthulhu thought <laughs> I really like that game it was it was a lot of fun mm. well yeah you bought it
0: yep <laughs> both That's of those right. actually we we came home with
2: <laughs> yep they make good games
0: they do um we played a full deck building uh board game from them too uh which unfortunately mm-hmm. we did not come home with. Uh, but it, mm-hmm. at some point, I would like to. It was called Witches of the Revolution. Yeah, that
1: was good. That w- that was cool. Um, and as a history geek, like the the references, uh, you know, when they say revolution, they're talking the Revolutionary War, and so the the references in the cards were were all going back to that time period, and it's it's really neat. It's a fun game.
0: Um, we also got to play a fun little memory game called Squirrel or Die, which was uh, not made by Atlas, but it was uh, published by them. It was made by the company Fight in a Box. And we've actually got an interview with uh, Seppi, the creator of the game, who's so happy.
2: (laughs) He is a happy guy. (laughs) I like Seppi.
0: Hey, with Seppi, we're going to talk Squirrel or Die.
5: Tell us a little bit about the game. Squirrel or Die is a seven-minute game where you test your mental might to see if you could survive winter as a squirrel. The most lethal backyard in the history of board gaming. And uh, how does the game work? How How do we play this out? Okay, it has two phases, autumn where we're going to hide stuff, and winter when we're going to eat the stuff or get eaten by the stuff that we hid. Very cool. And, uh, and and how do I win against the other players in the, in the game? In autumn, you're going to secretly hide food and traps all over the backyard. And in winter, it is your job to make sure you eat food... And avoid the traps, trying to out-survive everyone else. So you'll get three hit points. The person in Winter, who uh, makes it all the way to the end, is the winner. And uh, how many players is the game? Up to four. Up to four? Cool. And where can people find copies of the game? Where can they get more information about the game? Uh, Their favorite local game store. Any place you can get Gloom, you can probably get Squirrel or Die. Awesome. All right. Cool.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. He actually had something to add after that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> he did once we started playing the game uh, he started goofing around and uh, and he wanted I guess he wanted to add uh, at this
5: what's the perfect stocking stuff for Christmas Squirrel or die is it has artists by Graham Judd who worked with his father to make the illustrated botanist guide to the Lord of the Rings that is fascinating trivia <laughs> it is really it's really awesome he and his dad his dad's a professor for botany from Florida and uh, he's an illustrator and he's done this version. The original version of Squirrelly Die was a handmade tile version that I made myself. I made 1,200 of these. By wow. handmade, I mean I put it in a laser machine. A laser machine is basically fire. It pew-pewed all over the laser tiles. That I had to scrub them so they're shiny. Wow. And then uh, we hand-printed the bags, and then we sold all those. That's how I went convention to convention to uh, get a community big enough to kickstart our other game, End of the Line. That's awesome. And now you hear are, packs. Yes, thanks to Atlas. Atlas uh, distributes all our games. Very cool. All right, Thank you again. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> we picked up a cool game um, from Hisashi Hayashi uh, called Okidoki, which yeah. looked like a. it was a free game. We were a little skeptical about it until we had a few spare minutes, sat down and played it, and it's actually a very difficult game. <laughs>
2: yeah it's intense
0: yeah yeah especially to play as a team it can be played um solo or it can be played mm. as a team uh where you don't really talk about what cards you have but you have to go in num- uh, numerical order
3: mm.
2: it's
0: pretty fun it's kind of solitaire-ish
2: yeah, it's definitely fun but yeah it's not a, definitely it's not a kid's game like no no hell no it's
0: got little cute animals on it i thought it was a children's game yeah yeah. the nope.
2: name is okie dokie and it's got
1: little cute animals playing them music like you know, it looks definitively like a little kid's game. Like, you know, a, a five-year-old type of game. Yeah, um, totally. Dude, it's it's
2: impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. It's probably not hard. People, uh, people are laughing at us right now. They're like, what, that kid's game?
0: <laughs> yeah, no. right?
2: No, no, no. A
1: yeah, no, six-year-old plays that when the guy gave it to us, right? He's like, you know, I played this for three hours one night and won it once. And in my yeah. head, I'm like, it's a fucking kids game. No, that's not true. And then we <laughs> sat down and played it, and I was like, oh, my God, you won it?
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Period. Like, you won it ever?
2: Yeah, it seems like you have to... There is a bit of luck involved with how the cards get dealt and everything like that. I don't know. It... Well, maybe that's not true, but it feels like it's not necessarily always possible to win, if you get what, you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, that might not be the case. Maybe it is play-tested and it is always feasible, but I feel like it's not... I don't know, it, it didn't seem like... Either we screwed ourselves when we played it, or it wasn't possible to win, if you know what I mean. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Could be the former, I'll be honest.
0: In a game that I wish we could have played, but he was actually all out of copies of the game. It was cards.
2: Yeah. Now, oh, we got drawn to this gorgeous.
1: by
0: the art. I... I just want to hang all of these cards on my wall.
1: So the the art on that is so good that my wife went through the business cards I collected I Unplugged, pulled that one out, and was like, oh my god, I love this.
2: <laughs> I'm speaking with Andy Hunt, the uh, artist and designer of the Necronomikods card game. How you doing? Could you tell us a little bit about the game?
11: Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a super fast and easy game to learn how to play. Uh, you have two decks of cards, spells, and summons. Spell cards have different magic symbols that you're trying to match together to essentially create a summoning spell. You want to find like two ma- or, uh, three matching pairs or two pairs of triplets, like three of one symbol and three of another symbol. When you find that, you can discard those to draw a card from the summon deck. Summon decks have various monsters, demons, mythological creatures, Lovecraftian elder gods, urban legends, anything that I thought would be fun and creepy to put in the game. And each of those cards also has an action that either helps you or hurts one of your friends, which is one of the most fun things you can possibly do. Right. Uh, the first person to play seven summon cards wins the game. It's super simple, easy to learn. Um, you can play with two to four players. It takes about 30 to 45 minutes to play a game, so it's a good filler game, but still has a little bit of meat to it. Cool. Uh, and if you go to NecronomicCards.com, we'll have an expansion coming out in about a month. Okay, very cool.
2: Yep. And then, uh, yeah, it's it's sold out here at uh, Plug, so you're going you have to get it through the website. Uh, and uh, definitely check out the website, because the art's fantastic. You did a really good job.
11: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, Thanks for talking to us.
0: Yeah, it's you. actually sold out on the website as well uh, at the moment. Oh my god! But uh, there is a mailing list. So I would recommend you go to com and join that mailing list, because these are awesome. Every yeah. kind of gothic horror monster you can think of, he also thought of, and he has made an a really great artwork for him. Even
1: if you don't play the game, you can just, like, mount those cards on your oh, wall. Oh, yeah. They are so gorgeous. Congratulations!
2: <laughs> like, you sold every copy of the game. Like, that's awesome. Like, uh, I imagine that's probably, probably feels pretty good. Yeah, for I think Hunt.
0: by day two, also. I don't want to uh, hurt your guys' wallets too much, but um, he's actually selling t-shirts huh? of the oh, artwork. God.
1: What? Okay, what's the website? If you Necronoma just go to necronomacards.com,
0: necronomacards.com and follow it through... I is down at the bottom. T. Fury interview.
2: Oh wow, look at him! So you're going to be getting that plague doctor. The one, pestilence. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. And <laughs> we got a a brief chance to play a new game from Big Potato, who are the creators of Coup, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is a very fun game where you lie and accuse your friends of lying. Uh, if you haven't played it, you should definitely check it out. It's fun. Uh, the chameleon is similar in that it's a kind of a social party game, uh, but you are given a sheet that either has a grid to look up a word, like uh, it's got like a numbers across the top and the side, and it's a grid. You can you, you roll two dice, you take the numbers on the dice to look up on the grid what the word is. But one person gets a card that just says you are the chameleon so they don't know what the word is and then it goes around a circle and everybody says one word that describes the the item so it's either a food or it can be like a, it can be anything like a, a a device you know like we got eggs for example so everyone goes around and says a word that they associate with eggs without saying eggs and without being too obvious because you don't want the chameleon to know what the word is and then the point of the game is to discover who is the chameleon who is pretending that they know the word but doesn't really. And uh, Beth, that's the game, really, and it's uh, it's fun.
0: It kind of reminded can... me of um, Faking It, you know, the Jackbox game yes. in um, the third party pack? Yes. Where somebody has yeah, no idea much... but they're just pretending that they are also on board.
2: You just want to fit in with what everyone else is saying. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it, 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 I could see it being very funny because as the chameleon – you could completely draw the wrong conclusions from what everyone's saying, and then that's right. you know, like say, say something ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, that's that's fun. They uh they almost sold out of copies of that too. I believe they may have by the end. Check that out at BigPotato.com. dot com. Sorry, bigpotato dot com.
0: Now, listeners, if any of you got a chance to play Sword and Sorcery over the weekend, please write in because James may have been your DM.
1: Yes. Yeah, um, so we thought about interviewing somebody who was running those games and then just realized it was me, so there's <laughs> there's no need. Um, so, James, tell us about Sword and Sorcery. So, Sword and Sorcery is... Um, shit. It's shit? Yeah. No, sorry. I, ooh, wow. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So, if you've ever wanted to play Dungeons & Dragons with your friends, but they don't want to play Dungeons & Dragons because it scares them or you know, they don't want to put the time into it, Sword yeah. & Sorcery is the place to go. Um, Sword & Sorcery is a RPG. It's a board game-based RPG. You're going to be creating maps. You're going to be playing a storyline. Um, it, it did an amazing job of working through combat, working through storyline, having all of this played out on the table in front of you um, where even the, where all players are working together Um, And you're playing against the board. The board is DMing itself. Um, So for those of you who don't really kind of understand that concept, enemies are coming out and they have uh, an AI built into them. So the players will play the enemy and you don't know what's happening in the game until it happens. There's a a book of secrets. I mean, I guess you could read the book of secrets ahead of time, but that's just don't. Um, (laughs) So as the person who sets the game up, you're still getting surprised by what's happening in the round that you're playing, which is really cool. Um, one of the aspects I love about Sword and Sorcery is it finally brings alignment to the board game tabletop. So alignment in RPGs has always been a huge factor in how your character plays out and how storyline progresses. And they, they brought that into a, a miniature combat-based game in such a brilliant way. Um, your characters do have an alignment, Um, There could be, I I believe it was chaos, lawful, or neutral. Um, And depending on their alignment actually changes how that character can personally progress, the skills they can can get over time. Um, But it also changes the storyline and what happens in the game. So depending on who kind of sets up this next, some of the storyline pieces, your alignment is going to change the decisions you make. And so it's just an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, Right now they have the first uh, Act 1 is fully released. Um, And you're looking, there's seven chapters in Act 1, so you're probably talking somewhere between about 14 and 16 hours of gameplay in that. Um, And that's just one single run-through. It comes with enough characters in the game that there's replayability. And again, because of this alignment factor, you can actually replay the same character but completely differently. And you can replay the same chapters but find different things inside of it. Mm-hmm. um so there there really is replayability to this game and it's a it's a ton of fun uh, this is one of the games that we have in rotation um at our gaming day uh what do you guys i mean you guys play it what are your thoughts on it
0: it's got a lot of nods to other games that we've played for instance it's it's narrated by someone very similar to deckard cain <laughs> um there are a lot of in jokes i mean they make sense in the game but you wouldn't really pick up on it unless you'd played other rpgs
2: yeah i really enjoy it it's uh it, it does it takes away like the
0: it's DD light
2: right yeah 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 like it, you can play and it's kind of like D, but you don't have to like uh like well, the, the dm doesn't have to come up with the whole scenario and everything like that everybody can play like everybody's a player there's no one person who's kind of takes on another role so it's and, and it, so it's completely cooperative uh, yeah, in, in that sense and you don't have to that's come up really with your own character. character
0: you don't have to like it takes a lot of the like you said the Overhead. scariness out of playing D for the first time yeah it's,
2: it, like, it's, it's like a board game video game
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's that awesome intro um so when i was running demos there um i got to run about four or five different demos um i had groups come in Uh, multiple times i had groups come in where you know it's a a husband and a wife team and one of them is the gamer and the other one is it's here because well i had nothing else to do on a friday and i might as well come with you um father and son team where you know the kid is super into games and the father's just being supportive um and this is the game where they all sat down everybody looked at it and the gamers were like yeah i'm so excited the non-gamers were like i'm so nervous um And then after playing for 20 minutes, half an hour, the non-gamers were into it. Yeah. Um, it was simple enough for them to pick up on. It was deep enough for them to, to really grab into it. And they loved being able to take those actions, do those, those special unique traits that only their character had. But the game is laid out so cleanly that it was easy for them to play with. And I think that's, that's what makes it such a nice little introduction into this world.
2: Uh, we got to see a few of the Dungeons Dragons-based panels at PAX. Uh, my favorite of them was the Dice Camera Action panel on the Friday night. I really enjoyed that panel. I thought they did a, a great job of playing D&D and making it entertaining. Uh, it was really good. That's Dice Camera Action is an official series from Wizards of the Coast, the creators of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, and You can check it out on YouTube on the official Dungeons & Dragons channel uh, and also on Twitch. I believe they stream the whole thing live when they play. Uh they they did a panel, they did it live at the at the at PAX, but they also do it I think every week uh on on the Twitch channel. So it's run by Chris Perkins, uh who is the Dungeon Master to the Stars. <laughs> uh, and yeah, check it out. Uh, and we also saw the Acquisitions Inc. panel, the the A Team, the uh the original <laughs> Acquisitions Inc. with uh with Jerry and Mike from penny arcade also run by chris perkins
0: he's a great dm yeah he is um i think he does a very good job of uh keeping the story moving um if they Mm -hmm. get caught up on something he's very fast at making a seamless transition
2: he's an expert at herding cats that's
0: true that's true (laughs) um
2: and i
1: think one of the things i love that he does a lot is he says yes um and, and by that, I mean, you know, as a DM, your players come at you a lot. And they're like, oh, I want to do this thing. Or don't I get to roll this extra die because I did blah, blah, blah. Um, I guess it's called pulling a, a Patrick Ruffus. Um, <laughs> yes. and, and Chris, is he's, he's amazing at being like, you know what? Yeah, like, let's, let's roll it. This is Dungeons & Dragons is a cooperative storytelling game at its core, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as a DM, he gets that and he, he rolls with it. And it's so clean. He sets up g- such a great world and then really lets his players kind of take it to where they want. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's the whole concept behind uh improv as well the the yes and. Right. Which is what makes D&D great. Cuz otherwise yep, it's kind of just one person running the whole show.
2: Yeah, I feel like the best D&D games are cooperative. Like I mean I say that I know that I know that it's cooperative, but we, you know, I I think the dungeon master isn't telling everybody what to do. He's just kind of moving around and helping people navigate what they want to do.
0: We've actually got a special surprise for you listeners. Um, surprise! <laughs> we spoke to Mike Cameron from Dogmite. He, he used to be a game developer, but has since moved into woodworking um, and now mm-hmm. has this huge company. And they make beautiful dice boxes um, and playmat dice rollers that double as uh, hangable art. Mm-hmm. And he has given us a dice box to share with you guys. Mm. Um, We've got an interview with him that we will play shortly. But what we want you to do is to email us with your game pitch. And we will choose our favorite and send you a dice box. You can see some pictures of it. We will post it on the Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram. So you can go and follow Mm -hmm. us um, at Nerdgasm on Twitter. Uh, at multiple nerdgasm on instagram and facebook.com slash multiple nerdgasm you can get in touch with us in any of those ways or you can email us at info at multiple unfortunately we are going to have to limit this to u.s listeners only because we are not rich and cannot afford it's real to... expensive
2: to send stuff overseas. <laughs> we can't afford to ship it's this real anywhere expensive else. I have to send my family things sometimes in Australia. It's real expensive, guys.
0: But you can go on and uh, have a look at the box anyway. And if you'd like to play for fun, just let us know where you're located and send us your game pitch.
2: Yeah. Bonus points if it's multiple Nergasm based
0: yep those bonus points will not go towards much other than our laughter
2: yeah yeah you won't win the game yeah we'll pick the best game no matter what but if uh if you make it multiple orgasm you'll just earn points in our hearts
0: but we will pick our favorites like our top five maybe and uh, read those out on the main podcast that uh, matt does with dan and luke and you'll find out in a few weeks who the winner of this is yeah so why don't we play that interview
2: speaking of mike from dog might uh what do you guys do Well, Dogmite Games, we do a
1: whole array of custom wooden gaming accessories. We have stuff for dice, we have custom pieces for rolling trays, we have adventure cases for GMs, we have smaller boxes for players. Just about anything you need to pimp out your game, we make. Everything is completely customizable. You can order it online at dogmite.com. Get the wood, the felt, the finish, pick all of your options. We'll build it exactly the right way it needs to be built for your character and ship it right to your door.
2: That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks. Cool. Yeah, they're really awesome. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at this right now. It's, you can hear this. Uh, it's held shut by powerful magnets. That's what that noise is. <laughs> uh, it's got space for a, a mini fig and, and your dice. And uh, it's got a cool design on the outside. This thing's really cool. So uh, you want to get those entries in.
0: Yeah, and please then go look at out. the photos of it because you'll definitely want it more once you see it.
2: Yeah, and then head over to dogmite.com and check out their other stuff. There's dice towers. Uh, like They do wallets, wooden wallets. They do dice. Uh, card stands, if you're a Magic the Gathering or some other card game player. they got. It's all just really, really beautiful wooden game accessories. Check them out, dogmite.com.
0: Thank you so much to Mike for giving us this to give away to our listeners.
2: Yeah, thanks so much. We really appreciate
0: it. Was there anything at PAX Unplugged that you guys had wanted to do but missed? Uh,
2: I would have liked to play a game of Thornwatch because i backed it on kickstarter and it's, it's still i guess in beta at this point they, they're they still demoing it at the conventions and and you can play it. but i've never played it i uh but I'm, i will eventually have a copy of it but i have not played it yet so but the line for it was was very long
0: <laughs> yes it was
2: and and i'm not that patient
0: yeah i feel like every time that um we've seen this game because it's been at every pax um mm-hmm. the line is always very long and yeah we are Luke's played it we're terrible at going to sign up for things in the morning
2: luke has played it so uh he i guess he could but he played a very early version of it i think he a did few years but he ago. played
0: with uh some of the designers of the game
2: yes yeah i think he i don't know if he played he played with mike yes he did actually from penny arcade yeah uh, it was okay. made by
0: a few mikes but yes he did play with yeah. mike yeah. from penny arcade
2: yeah that's what i thought
0: I kind of wanted to play um, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, the RPG.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, we had looked into that and we had discussed doing it. It was a sign-up. There were only there were limited spots available. I think there were only five or six um, and two runs of that a day. But it, It's like it, five hours exactly, long, right? Exactly. It went for a yeah. long time.
2: I know. I still would have liked to have done that, I think. Because I, I'm very familiar with Vampire the Masquerade because... We had the books as you know, when we were growing up, but we just never got around to playing it. Like the we had the Dave had the manual, mm-hmm. like the 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 play the whatever the core rule book is. Uh and also he had a lot of the novels based around it, and we all played the video games, Vampire the Masquerade Redemption and and Bloodlines. Yep. So I'm very familiar with the lore. Uh so maybe we should do that at some point. They had a LARP uh Vampire the Masquerade session going as well. Yeah. Unplugged. Like, LARP is live-action role-playing, for those who don't know. That's where you actually walk around in costume and play.
10: Lightning Bolt. Uh, <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah, exactly. There's a, what's that documentary? I can't remember the name of it. about. Uh, Knights of Bad Aster? Oh, that's a movie. There's one called Monster... F- Hunters Monster or Camp. something like that. Monster Camp. Uh, Monster Camp. Yeah, that's a great documentary about LARPing. Uh, you should check it out very, very interesting.
0: That is something that I've never done that I think I would really love to do. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, they do those that, weekends where they go, it's like a renaissance fair almost, but
1: That is something I've always said that I will never do. <laughs>
0: well, I'll do it um, without you.
2: Well, no, I was just, just going to say I'm assuming I'm doing it now. <laughs> well, let's find a monster camp nearby, and we'll do that. Come on, it'll be yeah. fun. It, it, I mean, honestly, it would. It would honestly think be an so. awesome time.
0: All right, and I just signed us up for one in two weeks.
1: Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Very good. Um, The the only thing I really wanted to do that I
2: didn't get to do was go back to Snap Pizza and have another pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. If you live in Philadelphia and you haven't been to Snap Pizza, go there now and then know that I hate you because you can go and get that whenever you want.
1: That was, like, legitimately, that was the best fucking pizza I've ever had in my life. Uh, The people there were awesome. They yeah. were wicked cool.
2: Um
0: hopefully they're listening to this now. Hey everybody, thank yeah. you so much for that everybody, pizza it was amazing.
2: <laughs> everybody at Snap Pizza, you guys are fucking awesome. Yeah, and if you guys like
1: want to come to Rhode Island, open one up down here, that'd yeah. be that'd be sweet. Or
0: if you ship will...
2: <laughs> Yeah, can you
1: deliver his <laughs> yeah. pizza on, can we on Tuesday night
0: here? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wonder if you can get an Uber driver to bring you a pizza from Philadelphia. I'm sure if you pay them enough.
0: <laughs> Are there Uber drivers with ovens in their car?
2: There should be. If there aren't, there should be.
0: All right, guys. If there is any other game that you want us to go more into depth on, um, send us an email and we'll uh, we'll get it to you in some way. Um, yeah. And please email us your game pitches. We want to get this dice box out to somebody.
2: Yeah. Send them through. Hey, and if you want to support the show, if you like what we do, you can head to patreon.com slash multiple nerdgasm and become a patron, and that helps uh, helps enable us to do more things like packs and uh, and more live events. And uh, we've got tiers on there for us to do videos and stuff. We can add some more gaming-based stuff. Uh, if there's something you think we should add to the Patreon as, a, as a, either a reward tier or as a, as a level to be unlocked, let us know, podcast at multiple nerdgasm.com or on our social media.
0: And if you have any game suggestions for us or things that you think mm. would translate well into a podcast, let us know.
2: We're up for it. See peace out you don't have a cool sign off james no i, I sorry, wait, am I supposed to have a cool sign off yeah i feel like make what i feel, really like, one I up feel now. like i was supposed to, I feel like I was supposed to text you and tell you that I'm sorry I must have oh forgotten. fuck um uh, I don't know bye <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. <laughs>